Good morning, America. This is the podcast coming from Jerry Rhodes called the American Enterprise Manifesto, proposing a third party called the American Enterprise Party. Wake up, America. The time has come for all followers to stand up for American values. So wake up, America. We followers are following the followers into the ghettos of a political crematory. Our concentration camps are our complacency and believing that bigger is better, equality is freedom, equity is prosperity, safety is more laws and regulations, security is big brother, which means ignorance is not believing the brotherhood media and peace and equality is big government control. That's the problem in our inner cities, in our ghettos, small underprivileged communities, schools, churches, politics, foreign affairs, voting scams that are founded on a false positive called democracy funded by money ticks. We are no longer free to voice our opinion when our friendly Facebook cancels our opinion on the internet because they are big enough to fund a political party that will support their right to cancel us. In my books, I warn of this happening in 2084, not 2022 or 2024. I guess we need to wake up now. It didn't happen in 1984, as predicted by George Orwell, when Big Brother had a surveillance system of cameras and a system of finger pointing like Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or YouTube to cancel certain dissidents and lovers of freedom. Then in Oceana, the Big Brother political philosophy was war is peace, ignorance is strength, and slavery is freedom to keep the proletariat under the control of Big Brother and the Brotherhood, which I am calling Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube in the days of 2024. 1984 took 20 years to evolve. Then a revolt uh, put Big Brother in control. So 2020 started the 20-year period for Americana, which is a pseudonym for Oceana in the book 1984, to come under the control of Big Brother government in 2020. The year of the pandemic, the year of George Floyd, BLM protests, Antifa riots, critical race theory, 1619 project, closure of schools, churches, non-essential businesses, political warfare on our president, a killer virus likely created by humans that destroyed our world's faith in science and free enterprise saved us. All this in conflict with gridlocked and polarized America, where wokeism says racism, race is the reason. White supremacy is our biggest problem and climate is our demise. Where enterprising Americans need a swing vote in Congress and in the state legislatures across America to bring common sense and humanism into the equation. The philosophy of this opposing third party is peace is faith in our country. Strength is love 
of our heritage. And freedom is humanism, a solution to woke dissolutions. The American Enterprise Party bases its platform on a way for current complacency to have a vote for humanism that brings capitalism and socialism together every day in our small to medium-sized businesses called enterprises. It's a belief that the individual is best represented in a decentralized, downsized government that will upsize enterprise for the greater cause of freedom and prosperity. With this redirection of our priorities, we can reduce the perennial deficits, our gargantuan debt, our inordinate and indiscriminate excesses of wealth controlled by the few while the many struggle for financial stability. Then peace, love, and freedom become our foreign affairs campaign to combat the coming Cold War with China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, and those that claim nationalism is freedom. Then our immigration system can return to allowing those who believe in this philosophy to come to America and thrive as our heirs have. Let's agree that disagreement is healthy and even a new approach will need to be integrated into our current society. But now is the best time to break the struggle and strangle hold that bigger is better has, has on our greatest assets, freedom of speech, freedom to create, freedom to procreate and freedom to vote. Then we can be proud to stand for one national anthem, one bill of rights, one constitution and our national resources called America the Bountiful. Thank you for listening. Hello again. Uh, this is uh, Jerry Rhodes uh, discussing the American Enterprise Manifesto. Uh, I'm here to announce that that book is being republished by Page Turner Press in three volumes. First volume will be the American Enterprise Party, uh, the reason why it needs to be done, how it will be done, will be volume two, and, and volume three will be who will do it. Uh, this particular podcast is uh, an excerpt from the volume three. Uh, I'm going to quote from that. I write about who will implement the American Enterprise Party. Hopefully the answer is it will be by enterprising American workers. But first we must restore worker patriotism that has been destroyed by apathy and big brother control. Restore the American work ethic with humanism. Where oh where has it gone? It focuses on improving our output by revamping our input of human capital values. Work for the sake of virtuous patriotic pride and the quality of life, not just for the sake of money and job security. As for my work ethic, I have owned small businesses for 37 years that I have started from scratch, creating jobs and envisioning, envisioning better management systems and methods for principally healthcare facilities. I have never been unemployed, never drew unemployment or workman's comp, and have missed no time for my employment, employment 
and 61 years. I have either been extremely lucky or an image of my father, a great common everyday blue collar enterprising American who worked in fire, at Firestone factory in Des Moines, Iowa for 32 years. And even today, I remember accompanying my father to union meetings and being influenced as a factory worker myself when I was employed by Firestone for one summer. Those images were and are the foundation of the work ethic we seem to have lost and the scenario I propose as a solution to the demise of the American work ethic victim of the new entitlements and big government. As the author of the American Enterprise Party platform, I'm a product of a small patriotic farm community in Iowa that was called God's Little Acre in the 1940s as a totally dry town that even frowned on smoking and most certainly did not condone teen, teen pregnancies or divorces or any divorces. We had no minorities of color or religion to speak of. We were all poor to almost redneck white trash by today's standards. But out of that culture grew a common sense and hard work ethic. My dad, for example, was never unemployed, never drew unemployment, never missed work, but went on strike every union contract here at Firestone for months on end to make sure they protected their their promised benefits that they never got. He, at the age of 18, and his two brothers had to leave the farm in 1929. During the Great Depression, when there were, were no grain for crops and no food for the eight children, uh, the, the eight Rhodes children, and they, they left to ride the rails across America. His stories about working for $1 a day with a noon meal thrown in, if they were lucky, sleeping in hobo camps along the way, drinking moonshine for survival, riding the rails across America, then returning to the farm when they heard that the depression was over. All of these adventures were featured in a recent HBO documentary about the Great Depression of 1929, making him the man he was, a man of work that never swore in his family's presence, never drank in his family's presence, never wanted any management responsibility, and never worked and never missed work, the Iowa work ethic of old. Also, by being an entrepreneur in America and a small business owner, why would I venture into the buzzsaw of conventional wisdom dominated by political pundits who intellectually spout issues as facts and facts as no problems as the domain of the established big brotherhood, Congress, big media, big tech, big box uh, companies, and never putting forth the voice of the silent majority. Because CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, conservative radio, liberal leanings of the celebrities and universities are not reporting or accepting the facts that the depth or breadth, breadth of America's decline will sink the ship. They are, in fact, the beneficiaries of the hardworking, enterprising majority who do not have a voice.
However, all good things come to an end unless there is revitalization of the principles that got us here. So much of the three volumes of the American Enterprise Party are based on factual data and statistics gleaned over a number of years as I wrote manuscripts regarding the need for political and government reform to ensure we worship enterprise rather than institutionalized money. Is it an issue or a problem? One of my biggest peeves in listening to the pundits and the media and even my children call uh, problems issues. If you look at the definition of issue, it's disagreement between two parties that needs to result in a compromise. Problem is different. It, if, if defined and analyzed to find out what caused it, it pursues a, a, a solution. So it does drive me crazy to hear problems called issues because that's what the politicians have brainwashed us into doing is treat everything as a disagreement that needs to be compromised, not a problem that needs to be solved. So this results effectively in the government using issues to cre create problems for the rest of us to try to figure out and solve. So I'm going to write, go through this uh, comparison to uh, ask you, the listener, what your opinion is. My biggest problem is listening to everyone, including my family, calling a problem an issue. What's the difference anyway? Well, look at the definition of a problem. A life-changing incident that needs to be avoided or solved by change with facts and resolution. And the definition of issue, a disagreement between two entities, human or otherwise, that, that uh, disagree on an argument affecting both parties and not requiring facts or a solution, just probably a compromise. In politics, since that's where such propaganda starts, the art of compromise is the justification for calling problems, issues, and reforms as the goal to go along to get along and then put them into a committee or subcommittee and be tabled. Sam Rayburn was famous for teaching LBJ that he needed to go along to get along. And I like to say we need to get along to go along. If you want to get anywhere your way, go along to get along. In other words, fake the problem into an issue that doesn't require an action unless you decide it's a problem or your devised solution. Ah, that's what's happening in our country with a gridlock Congress, a frustrated society and woke being the, the word of the day to further corrupt rational thought. So the followers are following followers into subservient conclusions. Following is my test of your preference as designated as a problem or an issue. Mine are based on our gridlock political system that isn't interested in solving problems. Just passing laws, instituting regulations that continue to erode our freedoms and cause social wars 
and cold wars, financial jeopardy and conflict, despite our political party preference. Okay, guns and society. Is that a problem or an issue? Well, I would call it a problem. But the real problem are the criminals, not the guns. Sex on TV, I call that a problem. That should be kept at home. If we're going to show everything on display, most people will be uh, disappointed or uh, depressed. I call it a problem. Vulgarity in our schools or in our culture, I call that a problem. That's not an issue. It's not a disagreement. It's a fact. Violence in our cities, problem. The gangs, 30,000 gangs, we don't talk about them and the criminals that it, it uh, generates, generates in the squalor of our inner cities, which need to have the Green New Deal applied to it, not some promises by Democratic mayors and governors, and also Republicans smaller cities. Elimination of prayer in schools. It's not an issue as far as I'm concerned. It's a problem. It's, it's people's freedoms that we're eliminating. So yes, it's not just a disagreement. We're eliminating a freedom. Congress, definitely a problem. They're going nowhere to get nowhere. They're not even going along to get along. So we have to, to have a third party that solves that problem. Federal and state budgets, oh, di diabolically a problem because none of these agencies or government entities are reporting the true depth of the swamp and the deficits and the debt. You need to go look at the debt clock and you'll finally realize all of this mumbo jumbo that they call issues between the two parties is uh, bankruptcy. So we need to have a third party that comes in and forces the use of generally accepted accounting principles so we really know where we are because we don't. They show deficits or debt that are so fully understated it's scary. And China has realized their, their government is going to have to be run on generally accepted accounting principles. Isn't that interesting? Our biggest opponent is getting ahead of us again. Taxes in 46 different categories. If you think that's an issue, then you, I guess you got a lot of money and don't pay any taxes. Yes, it's a problem. And we keep adding to that. You know, our latest uh, administration is is really going to uh, sink the ship, wanting to pass all of these uh, Green New Deals and uh, giveaways and, and say they're going to cover it with taxes. No, they're not covering anything with that. They can't even cover the interest on our current debt with taxes. It's all being generated by the print press of the Federal Reserve. Inflation and depression. Yeah, well, we... we we have depression as a result of inflation. So it definitely is a problem. And during this pandemic and dumping Trump, we've created an environment where we're ignoring the cost of government and the cost of passing these horrendous pieces of legislation and giveaways uh, 
and have to print up the money to do it because it reduces the value of the dollar and uh, the um, businesses have to increase their prices to be able to cover the increased cost of government. Government is 40% overhead on every business in this country. 22 million government workers with the best health care and the best pensions all written into law so we can't get them th thrown out. Is a weak dollar in the world, is that a problem? <laughs> I would guess it's a problem because China wants its yuan or yen to be the reference currency and is doing everything they can to control what's going to happen with cryptocurrency and bitcoins. Then we get to the real bottom line of problems is China. In the book, uh, all three volumes, we compare ourselves with China at the, at the current time and in, in the future. It's not an issue. It's, a, it's the biggest, biggest problem we have. Culture of violence. I consider it to be uh, a problem when you go back and look at Minneapolis and George Floyd and, and all of the protests that escalated automatically into riots and the devastation and destruction caused by that versus what they accused Trump of as causing the worst thing that ever happened in uh, January 6th and threw him out. Now, I'm not saying I'm a big Trump supporter. I would take a humble Donald Trump anytime, but the one we got is not the one we need. Disinformation and fake media, of course, any dictator wants to, to control the disinformation and fake media, and that's what we have with big government. Big Brother and the Big big Brotherhood are going to continue to, feed, to deprive us of freedom of speech and disseminate disinformation and fake news. Just go read uh, Orwell's 1984 if you want to see where America's headed. Freedom of speech. Yeah, well, you know, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, the tech giants, as they want to be called, but they, all they are is service companies, advertising companies. Now tell us what we can say on their, on their platforms. And if we don't say it their way, we can't say it. We, we're not allowed to say it. Um, Supreme Court. Is it a problem that we have nine? We're on a standoff of the um, one vote is a swing vote. It's always been set up to be uh, opposition, to be able to arrive at the right decision. So it certainly isn't an issue. And if you're going to pack the court, you're still going to have to have an odd number and the games will continue to be played with the court. It shouldn't be lifetime, they should have term limits and we should be voting for those people. Voting irregularity, not controlling the vote. And by controlling is to make sure that they are legitimate legal voting. I don't believe this last result was a, a process of legal voting, it couldn't be. Anybody with any sense of logic other than the Democrats that wanted to throw Trump out could ever conceive of this guy that is now our president would be chosen after he had his lousy campaign, he and his vice president uh, and their first 100 days in office will prove that it was a, a, a illegal voting process by mailing out and mailing in. 
Americans' health and welfare, definitely a problem. You know, the life expectancy is going down for the first time ever. Our uh, population is fatter and uh, more unhealthy than ever. We're not lean and green anymore. We're, we're lean and mean. Uh, we're talking about being lean and green, which is going to deprive all of us of any of our uh, lifestyle and, and past uh, successes. The Green New Deal should be invested in the inner cities and clean them up so they can start taking away, we can take away the excuses of why they don't graduate from high school or have families or, or have small businesses in their neighborhoods. Um, let's, let's, let's analyze the whole problem, not just half of it. It's not a white supremacist, racist problem. It is the problem of our society having to deal with helping rather than depriving. Two-party politics, wow, it is a sadistic problem because what we have is one party. We don't have two parties. And even the founders of our constitution, which is, is ignored most of the time by these two parties, uh, warned us against it becoming one party, one government under one Politburo. We've passed through the Marxist 10 planks to get rid of capitalism. It's not capitalism we wouldn't get rid of. We're throwing the baby out with the bathwater because the other, other part of an enterprise is social. It's society staffing the, uh, the workplace that the capitalists have set up. The only reason we've ever had to have unions, and this, this doesn't seem to work out, is that there wasn't a sharing program going on to share with the world. Right now, 1% of the society owns 90% of the, of the assets and the other 1%, I guess it's 60% they own and the other 1% owns 40% of the, of the uh, assets. So capitalism, socialism, party or political party affiliation, uh, to me, those are not problems. They're issues between the two factions. And they will drag it out and table it until we all forget about it. And that's what we could do with reforms and uh, debate. The filibuster, just another technique to keep the one party in control. What's your religion? That's an issue between you and your whoever you believe in what's your favorite color and that's an issue it's not a problem because it's your opinion all of these are your opinion you're a terrible parent it's an opinion and you probably are but anyway it's an issue you're it's a problem for your family that's for sure your kids are unruly same deal you know it's really a, a, an issue between you and your kids which has resulted in a problem because you aren't willing to establish some more than a compromise. Your husband is running around, same thing. He's, he's a problem for you or you're a problem for him, but it's an issue that, that festered into a problem. I don't like your hair, that could have been part of it. I don't like your dress, 
these are just things that are disagreements, not really a problem uh, seeking a specific solution. It's really seeking a compromise and hopefully then that will be the solution. My point is we are, we as the enterprising Americans who pay all the bills for the wealthy individuals and corporations are being lied to by using the word issue whenever we know it's a problem needing a solution. We all have a problem dealing with solutions. They're hard. They take some pain to get a resolution. I always looked at a resolution minus religion equals you know, uh, uh, reason minus religion equals resolution. We always have religion thrown in there and throw things out of whack. If you feel this way, stand up for a real third party that represents you as the swing vote in Congress and legislatures across America to unlock the gridlock for the betterment of all Americans by solving our um, person, <laughs> solving our collective problems is what I was trying to say, personal or otherwise. Right now, I think it's all become personal because we don't agree with our leadership one way or the other. That could be Trump or Biden or in the past other effective or ineffective presidents. In my opinion, a president needs to be a salesman of some type, selling ideas that can be picked up as um, problems and then, th and then solutions proposed for those problems. It's all a process of leadership. In my experience of leadership has been relegated to having my own businesses and having to learn how to lead, not just say I'm managing people. People manage themselves. So after much experience, I found out how you can, like a, a team environment typically accomplishes if, if you're a winner, to get everybody working for uh, the common objective or goal, and that's to, to score and win. And when you do that, then everyone is happy. There isn't any one individual that's going to be happier than the rest, but there are some that are getting more from that than the rest. And that's America. You know, it's not a, you know, an equal sum of take from one and, and you, or you give to one and you take from another. It's not an equal sum formula and it never should be. Because our free enterprise is not free, it's a free market for enterprise of supply and demand to seek its own levels and to solve its own problems, not have government over-regulate it and kill it. That is the biggest message I think that the American Enterprise Party, and I used manifesto in my first book and I use it in the second volume to be able to lay out a way, a way to convert from uh, where we're going, which I think is, is towards um, totalitarianism, 
to involving more and more people in the governing process. So we get more ideas, we get more solutions, and it improves the and levels the, the playing field because everybody can compete for those positions. So for now, that's the message. Uh, I also give you my thought on, used to be the, the comment would be you'd say something and somebody say, oh, no problem. And now they say, no worries. I mean, why not just not even offer up a, a response? You know, we have worries, we have problems. So maybe we should just say, uh, what's your solution? And that would be a way to get some conversation going on something productive. So for now, that's the American Enterprise message. Over now. This segment uh, is about something that comes close to my heart and my head. It seems nowadays everything is an issue. We don't seem to drill down into the root of the problem. And uh, I'm a great fan of the uh, Chicago Tribune, uh, particularly on Sunday. That's where I learn so much about what I'm going to go into, but also foreign affairs. On the front page of last Sunday's uh, Tribune, July 26, 2020, uh, front page it was disinvestment is rooted in policy. Black Latino communities are still negatively impacted. I'm going to read from this the introduction to this article. It's an oft-quoted statistic. White families have significantly more wealth than non-white families in America. Nearly ten times that of black families. The racial wealth gap continues to greatly impact the differences in opportunity and access from long-term health outcomes of a global pandemic to education and income levels to what happens when a business doesn't make enough money. Wealth inequality exists primarily because of legal, federal, and local policies that prioritize white wealth says Darlene Hightower, Vice President at Rice University's Community Health Equity Office. When you're thinking, I quote, when you're thinking about why white wealth is preserved and protected and black wealth isn't, I think it's just our, our origin story, like in superhero movies. She said, I think our country has an origin story and it is built on uh, it says here racism, uh, racist policies, oppression, and white privilege when she, I think she's trying to say supremacy. It's an origin, origin story we can't seem to get beyond. And then it goes into redlining, which were ways that the blacks were kept from expanding into the white suburbs. But the more important part of this article is uh, it's rooted in policy. And Chicago is a city that's divided. It's divided in the, in the white suburbs and northern part of Cook County. And in the southern part of Cook County, uh, 
resides majority black Hispanic census tracts. Uh, a city divided. Although the total percentage of Chicago's population is black, Hispanic, and white is similar, the areas where these folks live are very different. The demographics of Chicago show a city split into separate areas. The map below shows census tracts where there is a majority of one race or ethnicity. And it's so dramatic that if you want to pull that, that edition of the newspaper, there is definitely a uh, the other side of the tracks, south of the tracks, north of the tracks. Chicago demographics, white 33 and a third percent, 900,000, black 29 percent, around 800,000, Hispanic 29 percent, right around 800,000, Asians 6.6 percent, 200,000, and other uh, less than 100,000. <clears> the <throat> impacts on wealth. The long-term effects of limiting property ownership impact wealth and income in Chicago today and probably in every major city in the country. I'm adding that. Black Americans are less likely to get first-time home loans, and the percentage of black Chicagoans under the poverty line is more than five times that of white Chicagoans. Percent of housing units occupied by the owner. This comes from uh, statistics in Chicago 2018. White owners 48%, black 22%, Hispanic 22, a little over 22%. Percentage of approved first-time home loans. This was Illinois 2017. 79% white, 12% white, uh, black. Median incomes. Uh, adults over 18, Chicago 2018. Whites, uh, right around 89,000. Blacks, 34,000. Hispanics, 48,000. Then there are the impacts on education. The discrepancy between generational wealth in white and non-white families means that among the other touted resources that improve one's life, a college education isn't easily obtained if you're not white. Percent of schools with increasing enrollments from 2014 to 2020. White majority schools, 73%. Black majority schools, 18%. Hispanic majority schools, 23%. Percent with bachelor's degrees. It's adults over 18, Chicago 2018 statistics. White, 64%. Black, 21%. Hispanics, uh, about 17%. Percent unemployed for 16 and older, Chicago 2018 statistics. White, 3.8%. Black, 15.3%. Hispanics, 8.7%. Impacts on business investment. The system of neighborhood investment shaped by redlining affects businesses and food choices presented to the residents of these neighborhoods. Limited access to healthy foods. Chicago statistics 2015. White 14%, black 32%, Hispanic 12%. 
percent of receiving food stamps. Households in, includes those on SNAP, which are the food stamps um, program. Chicago 2018 statistics, white 11%, black 60%, Hispanics 23%. Percent of U.S. businesses by owner, race, ethnicity. Chicago metro area 2016, white 73%, black 2%, Hispanic 7%. Impacts on health. Latino Chicagoans are more than twice as likely to be uninsured than their white counterparts. But this is only where the discrepancies began. A lack of incentives for, incentives for clinics and pharmacies to open means that getting medicine or treatment can be very diff, different, a very different process depending on where you live. Percent uninsured, Chicago 2018 statistics, white, 17%, black 29%, Hispanic 47%. Preventable hospitalizations per 100,000 people, Chicago's 2017 statistics, white 112, blacks 300, Hispanics 170. And with the uh, pandemic, it's probably even more skewed. Life expectancy, Chicago 2017 statistics, White, 80, black, 71, Hispanic, 79. Uh, so, you know, looking at this in a, uh, under a microscope to try to drill down to the root of the problems, I think you can take that and lay that template across every city, major city in the country, and you're going to get some more results. So, if that's the problem, what are we going to do about it? And that's what this um, this um, podcast is all about. Uh, I've got some thoughts of my own of what I call My America, which is a poem from my uh, poetry book of The Eighth Wonder of the World. There are some other poems about my vision of the world and, getting, again, drilling down into where we uh, need to start solving the problem. This is not a, this is not an issue between political parties. This is what I would call a pursuit of humanism. It's not racism, fascism, socialism, capitalism, ism, ism, isms. This whole thing is about humanism. So I also have a presentation on that. So I hope you enjoy this uh, this uh, podcast. According to Worldwide Metrics, America is number one in health care per capita costs and 38th in quality of health. As life expectancy is going down for the first time ever. On the other hand, Singapore, a nation of 5 million people is number one in quality and last in cost per capita. And have only 58 COVID-19 deaths. Why are they better than any other country in the world? Because they have a collaboration between individual funded universal insurance, government administration of the rules and collective funding of the safety nets for their aging and indigent population. Read the book Healthcare for All, a public-private enterprise, by Jerry Rhodes, to get the transition to a comprehensive healthcare for all insurance plan. My America the Bountiful, by Jerry Rhodes published in The Eighth Wonder of the World, My America, is the feeling of freedom. It's the feeling good when you get up in the morning and can decide what you're going to do that day, who you're going to see, 
and what you're going to say. It's the feeling, that you can make a difference. It's the feeling you can produce your product, you can sell your produce, and you can benefit from your hard work, unhindered. Tease the feeling, when you help your children with their homework so they will be able to use their knowledge for growth, for maturity, for the good of the country. It's the feeling, when you send them off to school, knowing they will receive a concerned teacher's attention, sensitivity, and guidance. And knowing as they grow up, they will thrive on their freedom to communicate, to express themselves, to direct their own destiny. It's the feeling, when they graduate from grade school, junior high, and high school that they are taking the steps toward a better life. And when you give their hand away in matrimony, that happiness shall be theirs. For together as husband and wife, they can create the same and even more opportunities for their offspring. It's that feeling, when you can unchain your dog and watch her run free for at least a little while, to watch the expression on her face when she's released from the shackles and the sadness that reappears when she must be chained. It's the feeling, of being in good health, happy with my spouse, with a family as my wealth, as my America is the opportunity to pursue such prosperity unbridled and unfettered. My America, is the freedom of choice, to buy the bread I want to buy, to acquire the goods I can afford to acquire, to invest the capital I have saved in ventures I want to take for the love of my family and my country. My America, is being able to communicate, in writing, speaking, and in whatever form language takes, my opinions, my thoughts, my prayers, my visions, and my dreams to those who want to listen and to those enemies of the American way, whom in themselves, have not discovered America. My America, is being free to vote for the leaders, regardless of party affiliation, that will pursue fewer laws, less regulations, lower taxation through less government, patriotic philosophy of self-preservation and self-worth under one flag, indivisible, under one God, by the people, for the people, of the people. My America, is the blooming rose that has the freedom to grow toward a clear sky and a warm sun, being able to complete its cycle from bloom to plumage to autumn to a dormant grave, only to rise again. My America is the personal commitment to profit from opportunities that will better the country and to set an example for those who follow. What you give must be proportionate to what you take, or the erosion shall remove the sky, the sun, the earth from our grasp. For in our America and the world, resources are limited, the energy, though absolute, is redistributed by our wills. The more astute, the freer we are to create, the better the use of the resources. And left in God's hands, through our America, we create goodwill, good products, good people, and peace of mind. My America the bountiful, oh yes, my America, the vision of the poet, the words of the orator, and the minds of the leaders be kind, be patient, be wise, but above all be humble to the reasons and the heritage of our freedom. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil ventures and purposes, for thine is mine America as the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.